Last week, we started a series called The Storms of Life. I nicknamed it the Night Seasons. Hallelujah. The Bible says that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And incidentally, the night is shorter than the day. And I want you to believe it, that the, 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 the stormy night is all, always shorter. Even though it feels longer, it is shorter than you think. Hallelujah. And we started looking at a few things about the storm. Hallelujah. Last week, we started looking at something. I think I called it, Here Comes the Storm, last week. And this week, we are going to look at what to do during your storm. What to do in your storm. In the midnight hour, in the times of the season where things look bleak, in the times of season where things look dark, when the wind is contrary, when the weather is against you, when it looks like all is lost, what do you do in those times? But before I do that, I want to rehearse a little bit of last, last week what we talked about. I said to you that the storm has a few things that it tries to make you do. We looked at a few, a few types of storms and I said to you that the storm always wants you to make and take hasty decisions. The storm is designed by Satan to make you take a hasty decision. In, or, or in other words, make mistakes. I pray that you will not make mistakes in your stormy season. Hallelujah. The second thing is that the storm will make you want to depend on worldly wisdom, on the godless wisdom rather than godly wisdom. In the first Psalm, Psalm chapter number one, the Bible says, Blessed is the man who does not sit in the counsel of the godly or stand in the way of sinners, or walk with sinners, but his delight is the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, whose fruit does not fail. But the wicked are not so. The wicked, the Bible says, that that's the wicked, that's the opposite of the righteous man. He, they are blown away. When the storm comes, the storm gets them and blows them away. I pray that the storm will not blow you away. Hallelujah. The, the third one we looked at was take the easy way out. The storm is designed to make you want to take the easy way out. I pray that you will not take the easy way out. You know, the guys who were with Jonah decided that they would throw him overboard because it was easier than to fight the storm. Don't take the easy way out. Or the, the storm is also designed to make you follow the crowd. Hallelujah. Everybody's buying toilet rolls, so you also go and buy toilet rolls. Because here comes COVID-19. Amen. But you will not be doing that. You will hear and do what the Lord says. Amen. The storm is also designed to make you want to depend on the circumstance rather than depending on God. See, all that the storm is designed to do is to steal something from you. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says that the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The storm is designed to steal your faith. And when your faith is gone, that, that thing that, that breaks or has victory over the world is taken away. In, in 1 John 5, 4, uh, the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. It's just our faith that overcomes the world. And when your faith is taken by the circumstance, when your faith is taken by the storm, you have no chance. Satan has already got you. Amen. So we looked at that and... We also went on to look at a few things that the storm is also designed to do. The first thing I said was that the storm, why does God allow the storm to come? And I said to you that the storm is allowed by God to get our attention. Hallelujah. To get our attention. Number two is to bring us to repentance. Number three is also to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ's dear son. Hallelujah. Number four is to equip us for the service God's service. And number five is to demonstrate the power, God's power over our lives. And number six, to reveal himself to us. And number seven, to demonstrate God's love for us. Number eight was to remind us who is in control. Amen. And that is where we ended last week. And today, I want us to look, I told you last week that we are looking from three passages. That's Mark chapter 4. Verse 33 downwards and Mark chapter, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 27 from 4 to 44 and Jonah. Last week we used Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 to 17. Today we are going to look at Mark chapter 4. 
We are going to look at Mark chapter number 4. And uh, I'm going to start maybe from 33, if you don't mind, 33, so that it gives us a bigger picture. Bible says that, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Verse 35 says that, on the same day, when, the, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, he took, they, took the, they took him along in a boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with them. And a great storm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why, do, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be? that even the wind and the sea obey him. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Last week I said to you that the storm is an unexpected occurrence or unexpected circumstances that threatens our lives. That is the definition of a storm. It's an unexpected uh, event that overtakes us. And the sole aim or the sole purpose of the storm is to break our flow, break us and take, take from us. Hallelujah. And I said to you last week that the storm has a spirit behind it. In fact, let me give you the, the definition I gave last week again. And then I'll say that the, the storm, last week I said, let me find the exact definition I gave you. A storm represents difficulties, prob problems, loneliness, weakness, and depression. The storm have a potential to harm lives and property via a storm surge. And I, surge, and I said to you that the storm is usually a violent wind that is accompanied by either heavy rain or snow or hail or whatever that causes flooding or makes uh, life very uneasy. Hallelujah. And I said to you that like a, a, an example of a storm was a hurricane. And I said to you last week that the hurricane is, is something that has, it's called a black shadow. It has a certain person without body inside it that is controlling it. So it's the violent wind that, the wind that wells around and it can destroy houses, it can uproot trees, it can uproot houses and throw things, cars and everything over and around and cause mayhem. We've seen it happen so many times in the world. I said to you last week that in, especially in the Caribbeans, in the Southern Americas, in the Northern America, uh, Florida, all those areas, they have hurricane season. Normally, it's around this time. From about this time, that's summertime, all the way to August, September, they go through hurricane season. Some of them are more devastating than others. Amen. But all these, all these uh, uh, storms are supposed to destabilize us. The storm is supposed to make us life unbearable. Brothers and sisters, let me say to you one thing. As we start today's um, word, what to do when you're going through the storm, is to know, number one, that the storm is part of life. You can never have life without a storm. You can never live a life without going through difficulties. Hallelujah. The Bible says that uh, many are the afflictions of the righteous. The righteous' affliction, the righteous man's affliction are many. There are many troubles and adversities that we go through. If you haven't been through any adversity, do I, can I uh, give you an advice that you are about to go through an adversity? 
Can I say to you that if you have been through an adversity and you are coming out of the adversity, you are getting ready to enter into another one. Life is full of storms. Some are bigger than others. Hallelujah. It is only in the storm that your faith can grow. Amen. So in the storm, don't be, don't be afraid. The storm is part of your examination. Everybody up to, who has ever been to uh, school up to the sixth year or the seventh year would have had to write a test or two. And the test is like a storm. Because if you don't go through the test, you cannot progress. Amen. Only in the storm that you, do you develop your character. The storm is part of life to develop your character. Amen. It's only in the storm that you can discover the power of God. We said that last week. It's only in the storm that you can call upon God and find him to be a present help. In the storm, you can see that God is a very present help in the time of trouble. In the time of trouble, when you call upon God, God will hear you and God will answer. Hallelujah. The storm doesn't, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. Amen. The storm doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. Neither does the storm mean that you are not in the will of God. In the story we just read, we realized that the disciples were in the perfect will of God. They had been with Jesus. Jesus was teaching them. Jesus, who is God made flesh, was with them. Even in the boat, they had Jesus with them, and yet they went through the storm. So the storm is regardless of whether you are in the will of God or you are not in the will of God. Last week, we looked at somebody who had gone out of the will of God, Jonah. Jonah was a guy who was disobedient. God told him to go and preach in um, uh, Nineveh, and he said that he didn't like the people of Nineveh, so he took a ship to go down to Tarshish. So he was in contradiction or contravention of what the direct command God had given. So he was walking in disobedience, and he met a storm. But today we are looking at a group of people who are in the direct will of God. They are in the will of God. They are obeying God. They are doing what God says that they should do. And here comes the storm. Hallelujah. See, the thing that sometimes we as Christians, we grapple with, we fight with, is when we are doing the will of God and we go through a storm. It makes us disappointed. It makes us feel that God has forsaken us. It makes us feel that we have done something wrong. Let me have, I have news for you. Let me tell you this. You are not doing anything wrong. The storm is part of life. Even if Jesus is in your boat, you will still go through a storm or two. Hallelujah. And that storm must never ever make you think that you are, God has abandoned you. He has not abandoned you. The storm doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. The storm doesn't mean God doesn't love you. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. The righteous man's uh, trouble are a lot. In, in Job chapter 14, the Bible says that man born of a woman, his days are but few. His days are few and full of troubles. A man that is born by a woman, his days are full of troubles. Life is full of troubles. Amen. And so you must, you must brace yourself for the storm. Oh, I was serving God. I was doing my best for God. Then here comes uh, uh, unexpected divorce. That's a storm. You are somebody who loves the Lord. You obey God. You pay your tithe. You are a Christian, tongue-talking. You do everything like Job. He was doing everything that was right. And then here comes a family storm, a business storm. All his, his uh, financial storm, everything hit him at the same time. In one day, he had seven coffins that he had to bury. And he lost everything. And after all that, he had a medical storm. He himself got sick. Had boils and, and sores all over, smelling. Nobody could stay by him. He was like a walking dead body. Hallelujah. But he went through it. And he said, though he slays me, yet will I trust him. Job knew that if he had taken good things from God, would he turn his back on God? When God gives him a storm, he will go through the storm and stay faithful. I pray that you will go through your storm and stay faithful to God. Hallelujah. The storm doesn't mean God has rejected you. Far from it, God hasn't rejected you. COVID-19, if you have uh, been a victim of COVID-19, it doesn't mean God has rejected you. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that the, God has removed his hand of protection over you. No. 
It doesn't mean that at all. Amen. The storm, brothers and sisters, is designed to develop capacity. Can you say that with me? My storm is designed to develop my capacity. My storm is designed to develop my capacity. You know, the fight you are fighting now is to develop your confidence. When you win this battle, it prepares you and makes you more confident to face the next battle. Amen. When you go through the battle and you win, when you go through this battle and you win, you, listen, it is building persistence and perseverance. In James chapter 1 verse 2, the Bible says that, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials and storms, knowing that the testing of your faith worketh patient. And when patience has had its full work in you, it makes you perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Amen. When you go through the storm, it makes you complete. The storm builds your capacity. The storm makes you a better person. Listen, the resistance of water is necessary for the ship to flow through. Did you hear that? The resistance of water, the waves, is what the ship needs to go through and cut, cut through it to move. Without resistance of water, the ship will sink. Amen. The resistance of air is what makes the airplane fly. That's what we call the principle of aerodynamics. When the plane it wants to fly, it has to go contrary to the wind. And as the wind blows against contrary to the plane, it actually helps it to lift. Can I submit to you that your storm is helping you to lift up? Amen. I say, can I submit to you that your challenge is making you better? COVID-19 is making us some, some of us more prayerful. COVID-19 is making us, some of us, more spiritual than we've ever been. COVID-19 has made us become closer to God. Hallelujah. The resistance of gravity is what makes you and I able to walk. Without gravity, we can't walk. Try walking on the moon. When the people are on the moon and they want to walk, do you see what they do? They float. They float. Sometimes you see their head is on the ground and their feet is up. Even when they are trying to uh, walk, you see their feet is up in the sky because there's no gravity there. So what makes us fall when we jump is the same thing that enables us to walk. Hallelujah. Am I preaching to somebody? I, I want us to look at uh, a guy in the Bible. I think last week we looked, touched on him, David. Now, David was somebody who was born into an unfortunate family. Why do I say it's an unfortunate family? It, it, unfortunate because David, he said that in, in iniquity was I conceived by my mother. I don't know, some, some uh, uh, Bible commentators said that he was not a legitimate son of Jesse. That is how come when Jesse was asked to bring all his sons, he brought all seven. He did not bring David. He left David because he did, they didn't consider uh, David as a son. When Samuel came and said that bring one of your sons has been appointed and elected by God to be a, a, a king. He said, these are my sons. Abinadab and all those guys. Look at them. They are, they are king material. And when Samuel went through all them, he said, no, no, are these all your sons? And then uh, Jesse said, ah, there remains one. one. One guy, he's in the backside of the desert. Hallelujah. Then he said, we will not sit down, go and bring him. And when they brought him, as soon as he, the, uh, Prophet Samuel saw the guy, he was like, yes, behold, the elect of God. When someone was trying to uh, 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 anoint the first son, God said, no, no, I've rejected him. God doesn't look as man looks. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks in the heart. And this guy has been rejected. Amen. And so this guy, David, was brought from the backside of the desert. What was he doing in the desert? He was with sheep. His father's sheep. Amen. And when he was brought... He was anointed. Then the day came in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let's read 1 Samuel chapter 17 from verse 34 
The Bible says that, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion and a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb out of its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he defies the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me out of the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Hallelujah. See, God is, was putting David through the struggle to develop him. Hallelujah. You see, as a shepherd in the backside of the desert, he was alone. Amen. The first thing that he, his first storm was a storm of loneliness. Amen. There are some people in COVID-19 now who have been alone for the last five weeks. They haven't seen anybody physically related with anybody and they feel God has abandoned them. Listen, David was alone in the desert with sheep. Can I tell you what God was training him with that storm? He was training him how to be a king. You see, you cannot be a leader if you want to be with people all the time. It is lonely at the top. Life is like a pyramid. The pyramid, the, 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 the bottom is full of a lot of stones. They are all together, full of stones. The higher we go, the fewer the stones. The higher we go, the fewer the stones. The higher we go, the fewer the stones. Until we get to the apex of the pyramid where it only has one stone. God was training David that one day you become that one stone at the top of my people and my country, Israel. And you have to learn how to be lonely. Listen, if you don't know how to be a lonely person, you cannot be a leader. If you want to be a great leader and you don't know how to be alone and not have people, you know, around you all the time, you won't make a good leader. It is very lonely at the top, my brothers and sisters. But that is where David was being prepared for. Leading the sheep was teaching him leadership skills. If you can lead a bunch of sheep to go in a straight line, to travel from this part of the world, maybe from uh, Leeds to Bradford, you can lead a bunch of people. That thing that he was doing with a little staff was hitting some of the, the, the sheep to go in, get in line. He was trying to move them from one point to the other. It's a skill that you need if you are going to lead people. Amen. So in that storm of just looking after sheep, whilst his brothers were in the army, prestigious place, and doing all sorts of, of things, and they look very, very great when they come to town, and look at this tatty-looking shepherd boy. But in that little storm of bad employment, it was a storm that God was using to train him how to lead many people. In fighting with the lion, he learned how to become confident in battle. You know, a, a lion is a very agile beast. A lion is a very, very crafty and agile and very, very strong type of, uh, um, what's it called, uh, animal. So you need that be, to come agile to fight the, the, the lion. A lion is not a simple um, animal you can just go and kill without resistance or without it trying to outsmart you. A lion is very smart. You see, David had to learn the skills of craftiness, crafty warfare, because one day you have to lead all the mighty men. And these mighty men, they were, some of them were crafty. Some of them, the Bible said their faces were like lions. So if you haven't learned how to defeat lion, how can you uh, fight or how can you train these mighty men? So the storm that David was going through at the time of fighting, can you imagine? He was this shepherd boy. He was hoping that his sheep would grow. Every shepherd wants a lot more sheep. And then one sheep has given birth to a little lamb, small helpless lamb. 
and that small state of helplessness of this lamb, the lion comes and grabs it to go and eat it. So he went after it and, and fought with the lion and rescued the, the sheep. Amen. But I was teaching him that this is how we fight. To fight and, dis- and defeat the bear, it was also teaching David how he would fight Goliath. Because a bear has a height of about seven foot. A bear is, a bear is taller than a normal human being. So if he has to fight this huge, big bear that has a paw that can one slap of the paw, you'll be, you, you'll be, that will be the end of you. Hallelujah. And for him to be able to go through that warfare of fighting the bear, that was teaching him how to fight Goliath. So when he encountered Goliath, he said to the king, I have already finished my assignment of, of battling with the lion. I have finished my assignment of battling with the, with the, the bear. And this guy is my next assignment. The God that delivered me from the hand of the, the lion and the bear is the same God that will deliver me from the hand of, of uh, Goliath. What gave him the confidence? What gave him that confidence to be able to tell, say this to the, the, the king? It was because he had gone through his storms. See, without the storm, you don't develop capacity. I want you to understand. I want you to drum this into your head that you need capacity to become anything worth your salt. Hallelujah. To become an overcomer, you have to build capacity. And nothing better can make you build capacity apart from the storm. So embrace your storm. Hallelujah. I said embrace your storm. Embrace your storm. I'm reminded of of, uh, uh, a a woman of God, um, I don't know, she preached a message, no more sheets. I don't know whether you've heard of no more sheets. But the, the, the sermon was one of the famous sermons that any uh, ev- uh, lady evangelist has ever preached. No more sheets. And it was just a rehearsal of the storms that she's been through. That storm is what she preached. And that gave her, the, the, you see, the storm that she went, she has gone through, is the storm that gave her that uh, experience to even deliver. And I believe that many, many people have been delivered and been blessed by that particular message. Amen. Your storm is your training ground. It's your launching pad to, for God to use, to launch you to the center stage. If you want to get to the center stage, you need to go through your storm. So embrace that storm. Hallelujah. Now, Let's come to the story at hand, the story we've been talking about today. Jesus is with his disciples. They go to, uh, they have been to the, um, the side, they've been preaching. He's preached the parable of the sower. He's preached so many parables. And after every parable that he preaches, he finds a, a, a quiet place to explain the parables to the disciples and tell the disciples, you guys are special because I want to, mentor you people and grow you people up, I'm going to give you every secret of the ministry. So he tells, he preaches in parables to the crowd, but explains every parable to these guys. And after all that, he says to them, let us go to the other side. What were they going to the other side for? They were going to the other side to preach. Amen. They were going to the other side for the ministry. Sometimes in ministry, you can be struck by a storm. Hallelujah. Storm of rejection. Storm of, of accusation. Storm that will hit you from nowhere that you, sometimes it's very difficult to recover. Because you will never believe that you can go through this storm whilst working for God. But I have news for you. That is the storm that these guys went through. Amen. They went through this storm. You see, in this particular story, I want you to see three storms that these guys went through. Three storms. Can I show you the three storms? These are the three storms. The first storm they went through was the storm, the the storm of circumstances. The Bible says that when they entered the boat and they went into the middle of the uh, sea, the waters became contrary and the wind started swelling and it became violent. And 
the water started entering their boat and their boats began to sink. Hallelujah. Can you see the circumstances? The, the circumstances are the things that stand around you. The, 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 the fearful things around you are circumstances. Wind, water, rain, sinking, all that circumstances surrounded them. And it's, the wind is so boisterous you can't control it. The rain is so fierce that you can't do anything about it. The sea is so wild that you can't, you can't control it. Listen, these guys were not wimps. Can I say this to you? These guys were fishermen. They were experienced fishermen. They were not wimps. They were not people who didn't know the sea. If you and I were put in the middle of the sea in a boat with a, a lot of waves and a storm, we might be afraid because we never had that before. But these are fishermen who have gone through that for the best part of their lives. So they were not inexperienced, but this particular thing that made them afraid or this particular storm that made them afraid must have been a type of storm they have not seen before. For them to be afraid, their circumstances was wilder than they've ever experienced before. Amen. And they went through it. The whirlwind inside the water was fierce. When you focus on the threats, you will experience fear. Last week I said to you that what the... the, the Storm is designed to do is to make you afraid. Amen. When you focus on Jesus, you will experience faith. Who do you look at in your storm? When you go through your night season, whose image do you have in mind? Do you have the image of the circumstances or do you have the image of the solution? Which one is bigger? The problem or your solution? In the storm, think of the possibility that God is using it using your struggle and adversity for his glory. Can you possibly think that way? That even in this storm, God will show his glory. Every opportunity has difficulties. Listen to this. Every opportunity has difficulties. And every difficulty has an opportunity. I think this is a tweetable statement. Every opportunity has difficulties. And every difficulty has opportunity. Would you take the opportunity in the difficult season or would you think of survival mode? As COVID-19 has come, churches cannot meet. As a church, are we going to use this opportunity to reach more souls or are we going to become survival minded and become inward looking and say, why has God abandoned us? Every difficulty has an opportunity, and every opportunity has difficulties. Amen. When you focus, it is only when you come to grips with the difficulty that you will realize the potential that is in the storm. Amen. It is only when you come to terms with the difficult the storm that you can see the potential in it. I don't know whether you can see the potential in the storm you are going through now, but I want you to look at the potentials that are inside. The, the, the storm of losing your job is a potential of you starting your own business. The storm of your husband leaving you is the potential of you going back to school. Okay. Amen. You didn't like that. The storm of your child dying is the potential of you seeing God's glory in something else. Whatever the difficulty is, it has a potential in it. If only you can lift up your head and look up, you will see it. Amen. They were terrified. The second storm was a storm of fear. The storm, emotional storm. They were terrified. You see, anything that brings fear is a storm of emotions. And you see, when you are moved by emotion, you are not logical. Amen. How many know what I'm talking about? When you are moved by anger, you are moved by hatred, you are moved by bitterness, you are moved by uh, fear, you are not rational. You don't think straight. Uh, somebody came to me one day and said, Pastor, I want to leave my husband. Pastor, I want to leave my husband. I said, why? And she, she said that something happened and the husband's, you know, his attitude and something got, him, got her so mad. She said, I want to leave. I want to leave this guy. I will leave him and he will see. 
And, and, and I said, okay. I, I mean, I didn't say anything. I just said, okay. I just shrugged my shoulder. I said, okay. Then I said to her, go. Come back in two weeks. And we'll have a meeting about it. It was the, like in the foyer. And he said, I said, come back. We'll meet in two weeks. Then two weeks later, I mean, she didn't come to church the following week. She didn't come the second. The third week she came because she knew she was coming. I said, Pastor, I'm still strong about my decision. I'm going to leave my husband. I'm angry. I want to leave. Then I said, oh, I'm busy today, so come back later. So she went, I think two or three weeks later, she came back. I said, Pastor, can we have the meeting today? I said, yes, let, let's go. So we went. As soon as we sat down, I knew what she was going to say. So I, I was so relaxed. I was playing with my phone. And, uh, and I said, oh, before you start, let me give you a story. So I gave her a story of a lady who one day decided that she was fed up with her husband and so left the husband for no apparent reason. Because, see, in the emotional, in that event of emotional, you know, hunger and, and uh, gyration, you don't think through. You're not logical. A few days, a few weeks later, you will see that your reason for being angry was very silly and childish. Are you with me? It's been 10, 10, 15 years since this lady left this guy. Up to today, she hasn't had anybody come in to say hello. And quietly, she wished that the husband would come back. And the husband went to marry somebody else. So I shared that experience with this lady. When I finished, then I asked her, so what is the story now? Then Elisa, oh, Pastor, you know something? I think I'll take a rain check. I'll come back. That's, that's, that, that was the end of the conversation. I, I think I, I will come back and talk about it. Because she was going through emotional storm. She needed the storm to pass a little bit. And somebody to give her, you know, a, a map to look at and say, hey, you don't react when you're emotional. Amen. These guys were so emotional that they had forgotten that Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. These guys were so emotional, they had, they had forgotten that Jesus had raised the, the widow of Nain's son. They had forgotten that blind uh, uh, Bartimaeus had been healed. They had forgotten all the things that Jesus had fed 5,000. They had forgotten everything Jesus had done. Because in the storm, they shouted at Jesus, do you not care that we are perishing? What is wrong with you? How can you be asleep at this time? I really don't understand how these men of God can sleep during the storm. Jonah was asleep last week. This week, Jesus is asleep. Hallelujah. I wish God would make me have that capacity that in the middle of the storm, I'll go to sleep. Amen. Amen. I don't know whether you believe that with me, but I'm, I'm claiming it for myself. The third storm that these guys went through is the storm, a spiritual storm, where all that they have believed in up to today was being challenged. They had believed in God's power. They had believed in Jesus' healing ability and everything. And now it is being challenged. Can you imagine that all that you have believed one day, that God will deliver you and God doesn't deliver you? That God will bless you and God doesn't bless you. You prayed and fasted. You've given your tithe. You've done everything that they said you should do in the Bible. You've done everything and here comes he does the opposite. Hallelujah. It, it made them question their belief system. When they heard what they had, they had heard and what they were experiencing didn't match. They had heard everything that Jesus preached. Powerful. But what they were experiencing now didn't match the thing that Jesus was saying. Because Jesus was God and yet man to be asleep because he was tired. He was God and yet he was a man. In theology, in theology we call this, can I give you a little bit of theology? Hypostatic union of Christ. The hypostatic union of Christ is his humanness to make him hang angry at the fig tree, and yet his divine ability to cast that fig tree for it to wither and die immediately. 
His humanness to be tired and asleep and not even hear that the storm is raging. And his divine ability to speak to the storm and the storm will just cease immediately. The hypostatic union of Jesus Christ. They were, they were challenged by that. And they didn't know what to do, what to make of Jesus. They didn't know what to do. They were challenged by a spiritual storm. When you are challenged by a spiritual storm, know that he's in the storm with you. I said, know that Jesus is in the storm with you. Amen. Am I talking to somebody? This is the same Jesus that had led them into the storm. They did not know that there will be a storm when he told them, like, let us go to the other side. He was the one who ordered them to go into the boat. He was the one that ordered you to join the church. And now you've joined the church and you're doing well and your husband has left you because of the church. Oh. Hallelujah. Where, what, isn't the Bible, doesn't the Bible say that he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end? How come he didn't see that there would be a storm? How didn't come he didn't anticipate that storm? Were they not in his direct will? Yes, they were. Did he not insulate them from the storm? His being in the storm did not insulate them from the storm. It did not. They were with him, and yet they were facing the storm. The storm was filling the boat. They were sinking. They were drowning. Hallelujah. Jesus seems to have left them to their own fate. Left them to struggle. He was asleep, and they were struggling. You see, before they went to call Jesus, they were trying so hard to paddle the boat and to stabilize the boat and was not working. Jesus asked them a question. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? You know, by that question that Jesus asked them, let me show you a few questions that Jesus was asking. Where is your faith? God doesn't want our circumstances to cancel his promise. Where is your belief system in the promises of God? Say, so you shall live and not die to declare his, his glory, to declare his goodness. Why has Jesus wasted his time teaching them secrets after preaching in the, with the parables? He come and t dissect the parable to them and tell them all the secrets if he was going to kill them the next day. It doesn't make sense. Where is your faith, disciples? Why are you scared of the wrong thing? In the storm, it seems sometimes it feels lonely. In the storm, sometimes it feels as if you have been abandoned. In the storm, when you are looking for Jesus, you may not find him. Job chapter 23. Let us look at Job chapter 23 verse 2. Listen to what Job says. Job chapter 23 verse 2 and 4 to 4. He says that even today, my complaint is bitter. My hand is listless because of my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. This is Job talking. He said that he wished he knew where God was. He wished in the storm he knew where uh, Jesus was so that he can go and address Jesus and tell him his, his issues. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. In the storm, it sometimes looks as if God is lost. In Hebrews 13, 5, the Bible says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For God himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I'm always going to be with you. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the B part says, Lo, I am with you till the end of this age. I am always going to be with you. Don't lose Jesus in your storm. In your storm, don't be like Job. Oh, I wish I knew where he was so I can go and look for him and tell him my, 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 my problems. Hallelujah. Jesus asked them, where is your faith? In Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. 
and depart from evil. Hallelujah. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He will come and save. You see, the, the Hebrew boys went through the, the storm of the fire when they did not bow their knees to worship the God that had been erected. And they were cast into the, the, the fairy furnace. As they walked in the fairy furnace, the fourth man was there with them. Hallelujah. And when the king ordered them to come the following morning and they came out, guess what? Only the three of them came out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out. The fourth man did not come out of the storm. He did not come out of the, 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 the fire. Why? Because he's still in the storm waiting for you to go through your storm. And when you go through your storm, he will be there with you. I said, when you go through your storm, he will be there with you. That is why he never came out. And he has not come out since then. He's still there waiting for your next storm. Shout hallelujah if you believe what I'm saying. Hallelujah. Amen. The storm often exposes how we are not trusting of the Lord. These guys didn't trust God. They trusted the storm more than Jesus. That's why they went to him and said, Master, do you not care that we perish? If they trusted in, in God the way they should have, they would have said that Jesus is my boat, I'm cool. Everything will be all right. The storm must drive us to the Lord. Amen. I said this storm must drive us to the Lord. Last week, I said to you that the, the storm is the thing that must make you go wake Jesus up. Amen. I said the storm must encourage you to wake Jesus up. The storm must drive you to the Lord. Where does the storm drive you? Some people, the storm drive them to drinking. Some people, the storm drive them to drugs. Some people go through the storm. A lady, young lady was telling me that she was raped. She was serving the Lord. She was singing in the choir. And then a youth pastor raped her. And that rape made her so disappointed in church that she ended up taking drugs and all sorts of lives. Listen, don't allow the storm to drive you to the wrong place. At least with these disciples, the storm drove them straight to Jesus. Let the storm drive you to Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7, the Bible says that, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you, might, you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Amen. Abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abound and be rooted and grounded in your faith. Believe in him. Go to him. Speak to him. In Psalm 145, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, The Lord is near to those who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He is he will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. This is the promise that God made to us. This is what Jesus is saying. If you call upon me, you will find me. In Isaiah 65, 24, it, says, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. Amen. Before you call him, he will answer. And whilst you are speaking, he will hear. In Psalm 9, verse 9 and 10, the Bible says that the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, are, have not forsaken those who seek you. God hasn't abandoned those who seek him. And he's not going to start anytime soon. Amen. Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. He spoke to the wind. He didn't speak to the storm. He spoke to the wind. Amen. Because every storm you are going through has a person without body behind it. Every storm you are going through has a demon behind it. Every storm that you are going through has a, a faceless, nameless witch or wizard or, or, or principality behind the storm. So don't waste your energy on the storm. Attack the, the cause of the storm. The one driving the storm is the one you go for, not the, the storm itself. Don't waste your time. A lot of us like to waste our time on symptoms. Every doctor will use a symptom to diagnose. 
the sickness. And the sickness is what they, they target. They don't target the, the, the symptoms because the symptoms can be this or that. If you are going through uh, high, high fever and all this and that, it could mean any sickness. It could mean anything. So if they use that the diagnosis to give you a drug, they may end up giving the wrong drug. It is the finding of the, the sickness that makes them able to treat it. Amen. Jesus found out that the thing driving the storm was the wind, the contrary wind. So he rebuked the wind. He said, peace, be still. And as soon as he said, peace, be still, the storm had to go because what was driving it had been incapacitated. Hallelujah. In 2 Peter 3, 5, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count, count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Amen. He is not slack. He woke up immediately and rebuked the wind. Amen. Then Jesus turned to them and said to them, Why were you fearful? Why were you fearful? Look at your neighbor if you have a neighbor by you and ask them, why were you fearful? Why did you not believe in me more than the circumstances? Why did you believe more in the storm than the solution? Why did you minimize your God and maximize the God of the storm? Why did you allow the false evidence appearing real to be more real than the solution which is God? Why did you believe more in fear than faith? How is it that you have no faith? Your decision in the storm will show whether you have faith or not. Amen. What you do when you're going through will tell us what you believe. I pray that when you're going through, the next time you're going through, I pray that you come out strong, like David came out. And say that, say that this Goliath shall be like the lion and the bear. Hallelujah. And when he said that, they were exceedingly fearful. Now, the scripture said that they were exceedingly fearful. Why were they exceedingly fearful? They were exceedingly fearful because they realized that they were dealing with somebody who was more fearful than the storm. Remember, the storm was what made them afraid. But they realized that Jesus they were, they were with was more fearful than the storm they had gone through. In Matthew 10 to 48, he said, I do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Sometimes we fear the wrong things. Sometimes we fear the God of a storm. That is not something worth being afraid of. I pray that we will not be afraid today. I pray that in the storm, we will know what to do.